0: Welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ed Knight, And I'm Andrew Nichol. And today's show, we're talking about how to choose a good tenant. And we're going to give you some tenant traps to avoid. And to guide us through on the show, we're very pleased to welcome along Caitlin Blanchfeld from Venture Management. Caitlin, welcome along to the show. Thanks for having me. Now, you might think, hang on, Andrew. I thought Venture Management wasn't around anymore. Now, we'll come back to that and explain that at the end. But Caitlin, let's get into it. Let me ask you, what does a good tenant look like?
1: Well, there's quite a few things that we take into consideration when trying to find a new tenant. Most importantly, it's a tenant that pays rent every week. It's pretty obvious, but someone that pays rent every week on time, who treats the property with respect like it's their own. Those are some of the main important things. Also someone who trusts us as property managers, so we can go into the home and do inspections when they're not home. We really don't go there to go and look through their wardrobe or look at their shopping list or anything like that. You're not there to snoop. No, we're not there to snoop. We're there to make sure there's no holes in the wall, there's no stains on the carpet and just if there's any maintenance that we need to do. So just someone who really puts their trust in us. And what does a bad tenant look like? A tenant who doesn't follow the terms on their tenancy agreement. So what um, kind of things would that be? Yeah, so for example, not paying rent on time is yep, probably that's... a main one. It's probably a good thing if they do that. But also not treating the inside or the outside of the property like it's their own. Also probably another big one is bringing illegal substances into the house. It's probably quite a big one that doesn't sometimes get followed.
2: So if you're, if you're a property manager and you're doing an inspection, what, you see a bong? A bong. <laughs> a bong
0: sitting yeah. on the bedside table. Yes. What do you do in that situation?
1: We will leave it there, but we will take a photo of it. We'll work with the tenant, really, before we advise the owner of any issues because we like to deal with things internally before it has to be escalated. So we will chat to the tenant, advise them of that. We will send them a breach as well, that they have to remove it and that they are in breach of their tenancy agreement so they can no longer do that there.
0: Okay, so coming back to thinking about how do you find a good tenant, if a good tenant is one that follows the agreement, Pays their rent on time, assumedly has pretty good communication and trust. you guys. What are some things that landlords and private property investors can look out for in terms of trying to find somebody like that? How do you tell if somebody's good?
1: Well, you just want someone to be transparent with you at the start. We do see some sort of cases, I guess, where a tenant may not be forthcoming about maybe what their credit's like or that they've been a really clean and tidy tenant. And then we'll look further into it and they've got tribunal cases about outstanding cleaning that they haven't done. So someone who's transparent, someone who has really good manners as well is definitely a good one. And probably just that their information that they're giving you matches up with the references that you're calling through to check.
0: And Caitlin, some people are able to talk a good game.
1: Yes. So how do you know? Why are
0: you looking at yeah, me, Andrew Well, you Nichol? were looking at me. I thought you were looking at me. So let's say this, this kind-looking guy, Andrew Dickle, comes in <laughs> with great manners. Nice and, you know, hair. To, well, I wouldn't go that far. Um, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> we're not going into that story today. Nice hair. Oh, no, not nice hair, I should say. <laughs> talk smooth. Great. How do you tell whether he's just talking smack or whether he's actually going to be good?
1: Well, I think from a property manager point of view, you see that sort of stuff all the time. So yeah. you don't take what your first impressions are as truth. It's really looking deeper into it, talking to the references and things like that. Someone may come along and fit what some people are looking for, but deep down, it's not all there.
2: There are professional tenants out there that know exactly the buttons to push and Mm. the things to say, and often they target private landlords because private landlords don't have the same experience. And experience is probably such a big part of your role
0: because you'll meet with someone and you'll think,
1: just something doesn't seem Mm -hmm. right. Yep, you always need to trust your gut feeling.
0: Private landlords listening to this show who are going to continue to be private landlords because they don't want to use property managers – What are some of those things, though, that they can look out for?
1: Probably someone that has a rehearsed story when they get to the property. They're really looking for somewhere they urgently need somewhere. I've got bad credit because of my ex-partner or something like that. Someone who already has a story there to try and almost get that landlord to want to take them more, help them out. That's probably where, I guess issues are going to arise throughout the tenancy. You can meet someone at a property and do their references and things and keep it just strictly rental. You don't need to know everything about their personal life. And sometimes when people add those personal details like that, it is more to just make the landlord feel inclined to help this person.
0: Yeah. Okay, and that would be a bit of a red flag for you.
1: Yeah, sometimes. I think a lot of the, the people that we meet will give us some general information about themselves, why they're moving out, things like that, build a bit more of a character for them. But when people do come through and they tell us their whole life story and things like that, it almost feels like it's just to try and get us to like them more than others. And it's not really what we're looking for. So I think as a investor, those are definitely things to look for.
0: So before you said that somebody who would be a good tenant is somebody who's transparent at the start. Mm. For And you gave the example of somebody who might have had bad credit and you wanted them to talk about that. In terms of what you just said about the person with the rehearsed story, one of the examples you gave was bad credit. So where's the line here? Because I'm sure there'll be a line between this person's really good and they're transparent and this person's talking smack and they've rehearsed the story.
1: Mm -hmm. It's more just saying that I do have a few defaults on my credit check. Leave it at that. We're doing the credit check. We'll see what they're for. I don't need to know that it was because you had a terrible breakup with your partner and that's why you're in bad credit because then that just comes a little bit more too personal for what we're actually looking for.
0: Just becomes an excuse rather than just letting you know what the situation is. And would that suggest to you, just so we're really clear so that people can look out for this themselves, would that suggest to you that when issues arise in the future, they might also have every excuse under the sun about why the rent's late, why there's a hole in the wall, why whatever the next thing is? Yep,
2: absolutely. So Caitlin, what are some things that property managers look for when they're going to suss out a tenant?
1: First of all, you want to look at the start date, make sure it matches up with exactly the date that you're looking for someone to move in. The next thing you would do is do the background checks and credit checks. So we use a system where it'll run all court records, police records, tenancy tribunals. Our credit check also gives us two different platforms and it'll show us exactly where those records have come from, the amount owing, things like that.
0: Is that Tenancy Practice Services? Is that the one? Tenancy
1: Portal Services. Ah, So TPS and it runs through the NZ Collection Agency as well.
0: Can a private landlord get access to
1: that? You have to have a business account to be a part of that but you can go on to the court records and search up the person by name if you want to see if the tribunal comes up. There is a new law that's come out that if you go to tribunal, a tenant can actually ask for name suppression pretty much through a tenancy tribunal. So their results may not always come up.
0: Yeah, I've seen that Mm. as well where usually the tenant might not be named Not always the case, but if you Google tenancy tribunal cases and sometimes you've got to click a few links to get there, you can search through every single tenancy tribunal case. So,
2: So in what instance then, Ed, do you think that someone would not want to have their name suppressed? Because often you would probably, even if you were in the right as a tenant, you might think, well, I don't really want this to be out there because
0: I don't want someone thinking that I'm just one of these litigious tenants. I don't know. I'm um, actually. I was about to say I'm not a tenant, but I actually am. Um, I don't know. I've never been to Tenancy Tribunal. All I know is that when I search through cases, not every single person has got that. Now, the next question for you though is: What are some things that property investors sometimes think are red flags that might not actually be red flags?
1: Yes. So we do still get asked the question: What? Applicant's cultural background is or what race they are, which is obviously a big no no. But it also doesn't affect how the tenant is actually going to look after the house. That really has nothing to do with it. So,
2: so there are stereotypes around people's ethnicities and how they might treat or cook in the property. Yeah, which you found to be not true, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And when we're doing our job and we go there every three months, those are the conversations that we'll have if we feel like there are any issues. In that regard.
2: And regardless you can't discriminate.
1: Exactly and due to the Privacy Act there's actually quite a lot of things that we can't actually provide to the landlord anymore. Last names for people so that they can't do their own background checks. That's sort of what we do. We can't advise them how old their children are. There's quite a lot of things that we actually can't disclose against so it's best for I guess, investors as well to search up the Privacy Act for tenancies now so that they're also aware of the things we can and cannot say. Yeah, we recently
0: did a uh, podcast on that as well. mm. Or just let your property manager do their job. What other red flags do sometimes landlords think of red flags that might not be? You mentioned bad credit in the past.
1: Yeah, so we have that conversation quite openly with landlords the tenant that applies may have two or three defaults one might be for a power company one might be for a higher purchase or something like that. We can see when things are being paid when it was last paid and we have that conversation we need to be open and honest that yes there is a default there we don't necessarily need to say what it's for or what it's about but it's just advising them that their previous rental reference has said really good things they've never missed rent payments those types of things so it's not always bad.
2: So, Caitlin, let me ask you this. Oh, I sound like you do. (laughs) (laughs) So, Caitlin, let me ask you this. Sometimes you take over the management of a property and there's already a tenant in there. What are the mistakes that you see private landlords making?
1: To be honest, there's usually quite a lot. We will usually see that a landlord will meet a tenant, put them into the property, get the rent until they move out, and then that's it. So, you need to make sure that you're doing inspections every three months at least. That Make sure that, you know, if there's any issues, you can be covered by insurance as well. It also shows that your tenants are looking after your house properly as well as identifying any maintenance that there might be. Making sure you do an initial move in report as well. That just shows what the condition of the property was like before these tenants moved in so that you can match it up at the end. If you don't have a report to show what it looked like before these tenants moved in, they move out and there's stains all over the carpet, holes in walls you don't really have a leg to stand on to hold them accountable for those things. Also just maintaining the property with age. We do see that quite a lot. Things that are being neglected, carpets, curtains, things like that. We then take it over and the, the curtains have been the same for 30 years. So it's just looking at those things and working with the ages of the property.
2: I think often what I've seen in the past is someone's thought, yeah, this is easy, I can find my own tenant or, or someone that they know moves in. Then they move out and they get someone else and it's all going well until it's not. And then they think, well, I'm going to pass this over to a property manager. But at that stage, you know, the tenant could be in arrears. There could be some significant damage. There's a little bit of animosity between the the owner and the tenant. It can be quite hard to repair that relationship afterwards.
1: Totally. And trying to build that trust as a property manager then, if you've had, you know, there's been a bit of an argument between the owner and the tenant, and then the tenant is almost rebelling in some types of ways, not paying rent, not mowing the lawns, those little bits and pieces, and making them feel like they can actually now trust us and we're going to work with them as well as with the owner to try and repair this. So
0: it seems to me the main things we're looking for are people who are going to be transparent at the start, but who also do not come with a long-winded rehearsed story about every little part of their life. And we're looking for some good evidence from their background checks and affordability checks that they actually can afford this rent. Now, lastly, Andrew, before we wrap this show up, and of course, we've got Caitlin on again tomorrow, what's happened with Venture? Because I thought you told me on the Property Academy podcast that it wasn't around anymore. No, that's not what I said. So actually, what happened is, We downsized our
2: Christchurch rent roll so that we could grow it again. Part of that meant that we partnered with a company called A1, who took over some of our managements that are in the Christchurch region.
0: Right, let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you are looking to build your long term property portfolio, then you're going to need a plan. And a great place to start is by using our My Wealth Plan software. You're able to get this for free at mywealthplan.opuspartners.co.nz. And the cool thing about this is you get to put in all your details and it will tell you how much of a passive income you are currently on track for. And then if you need to do something about it, you've got the option to do so. listening to the Property Economy Podcast I'm your host Steve McKnight and I'm Andrew Nichol. and we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies tactics and insights to help you the most of news on the property market until next time